Your past can be one of the greatest teachers you'll ever know if you're listening and learning from it. This message is the first in the series, Past, Present, and Future. The message is entitled, Yesterday's Lessons. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Then grab your Bibles, if you will, as we get ready to study God's Word. As we're getting ready, would you join me in welcoming all of our other campuses? We welcome the folks in Frederick this morning. Good morning to all of you. And good morning to the folks in Clarksburg, universities at Shady Grove, and of course, our campus here in Gaithersburg as well, as we are starting a new series of messages for our month of celebration, 30th anniversary celebration. I want to be talking over these next several weeks about three things, the past, the present, and the future. As we talk about the past, present, and future, we're talking about it from a church perspective, but also as it relates to your life. We're reflecting on several things, what God has done in the past, looking back at the past, what God is doing in the present, because God is a present God, and then what God has in store for you, for our lives, for the future. And the Bible really presents to us a God who is concerned about all three of those areas in your life, your past, your present, and your future. The Bible speaks of God as the one who was, who is, and the one who is to come. So we often think of time as being limited for us, and indeed it is, and we'll talk about that today, but with God, time has no limitation. You look back and say, well, there's my past. I can't get back in there and do anything about it. You know that God can get back into your past and redeem it? God can get back into your past and restore things that have been broken. Even though you can't get back there, God can get back there because he's not limited by time or space in the way that we are. And of course, we know that God is present with us and that God has plans for our future. So we're going to learn how to apply these. And this verse I want to draw your attention to this month is Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. It's a very simple verse. You probably have heard it before, but I'm going to ask you to read it with me together. All of our campuses, let's read again Hebrews 13, verse 8 together. Here we go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Notice past, present, and future. Your joy and your success in life will be determined by these three areas. It will be determined by how you deal with your past. If you don't deal with your past effectively, it will haunt you. It's like a bad thing in your life that haunts you. And so your success, joy in life, is determined by how you deal with your past, how you manage your present, because you have to manage your today well to have a good tomorrow, and then also how you prepare for your future. All of these are essential. And so this weekend, we're going to start by a look back at the past. Looking back, what do we learn from our past? Why should we look back? I want to give you five valuable lessons from looking back on the past and things that we can apply to our lives. Number one, looking back should give you a better perspective of time. That's the first thing that looking back does. When you look back on the past, it should wake you up to the reality of what time is all about. You've heard it said before, in fact, you've probably said it as well, it seems like only yesterday when. 
It seems like only yesterday when, as I reflect on our history as a church, it seems like only yesterday when we packed up a moving van from Virginia Beach, Virginia, and drove into Gaithersburg, Maryland, not knowing anyone, wondering what our future would hold, and unpack that truck and set up household and begin to have services, wondering what God would do. It seems like only yesterday when... We started meeting in Gaithersburg Junior High School and then went to Flower Hill Elementary School, then Southlake Elementary School. It seems like only yesterday we were at the high school, Gaithersburg High School, as we met for several years. It seems like only yesterday when we were meeting at Gerard Street in the first building that we owned as a church family. It seems like only yesterday when I was planning, going through the plans for this building. It seems like only yesterday when we were digging the footers and establishing the foundation and steel was beginning to rise up for this building. It seems like only yesterday when we moved in. It seems like only yesterday when the Frederick campus was launched. It seems like only yesterday when the Clarksburg and USG campus was launched. It seems like only yesterday when I had hair. It seems like only yesterday. Time flies, doesn't it? Time goes by. It seems like only yesterday. And one of the things that you and I need to gain from looking back on the past is a perspective of time. And let me give you some perspectives from the Bible about time. What does the Bible teach us about time? Number one, the Bible teaches us that time is short. It's brief. It doesn't last for a long time here on earth. Psalm 89 verse 47 says, Remember how short my life is. Psalm 39 verse 5. Notice these words, indeed, you have made the length of my days only a few inches. My lifespan is nothing compared to yours. Talking about the eternal nature of God. Certainly, everyone alive is like a whisper in the wind. Time is short. The second thing that we must learn about time is that the Bible teaches us that time can deceive you. Time can promise things and will promise things that it never delivers. Has time ever told you, one day you will... And the promise of the one day that one day never comes, one day you'll get around to. And there's these promises that life holds out for us oftentimes that really are deceptive. It promises things that it often will never deliver. There's a story in the Bible about a man who was counting on the truthfulness of what he expected time to tell him, and he missed the mark. He was deceived by it. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 16, and he, that's Jesus, told them a parable, or this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So here's a guy who's got a great, great piece of property. He's producing a lot of food, great harvest. So he thought to himself, that's where he got in trouble, right? Never get in trouble when you start thinking to yourself. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many. What's the word there? Many years. So what's he thinking? He thinks he has many years. And here's his philosophy of life. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, sometimes what we think life is offering and God's perspective of things are very different. But God said to him, you fool this very night. You don't have years. You don't even have 24 hours. 
This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. There you see the deceptive nature of time that promises you things that it often will never deliver. The third thing about time according to the Bible is that your time here is limited but eternity is forever. Where should you spend your most, most of your emphasis in terms of the preparation of your life? For here or for there? Well, here is very short. We've already talked about that. It's limited. But eternity, have you thought about how long eternity is? Have you ever considered how long it is to live forever? It's forever and ever and ever and ever and and we could go on forever. That's eternity. That's what it is. And so so many folks spend their time and energy focused on this world, and they ignore the world that is to come. Hebrews 9, verse 27, just as people are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. Dear ones, would you listen today, just to hear this, be reminded of this, that this life is not all there is. There is a life beyond this life. That when you die, there is an eternity, and there are two places where we will spend eternity, in heaven or eternally separated from God in a place called hell. That's exactly what the scripture teaches us. And so we must live with a view toward eternity. Time here is limited. Eternity is forever. And the fourth thing the Bible teaches us about time is that your time is your life. How you spend your time is how you invest your life. Psalm 90, verse number 12 says, teach us to, note the word there. What is that word? Number each of our days so that we may grow in wisdom. Let's do a little exercise for a moment. Let's just assume for a moment that all of us are going to live to be at least 85 years of age. We'll just make that assumption, okay? Uh, Lord willing, you'll live longer than that, and I pray that you do and have a wonderful life beyond that. But just for the sake of an exercise here, can we just sort of settle on 85 years, okay? And let's just do the math. We'll, we'll say that every year has 365 days. We understand the leap year thing, but let's just, for the sake of doing some math for a moment, 85 years, 365 days per year. That means that if you live to be 85, you will have lived 31,025 days. Think about this, that when you were born, if you lived to be 85, you received, if you will, a big jar and in that jar was, let's just use monetary values, $31,025. And so every day you withdraw a dollar from the jar. What's your balance right now? And your life is made up with what you do with that dollar each day. You waste it frivolously, then you can't recall it. There's no more dollars to put back into the jar. At least, Lord willing, in your bank account, you can replenish it if you overdraw from it. But in this account, you can't add anything back in. Every day is a withdrawal. And so what you make out of your life is determined by what you withdraw from that account and what you do with what you withdraw each day. And for some of you, perhaps you have wasted a lot of that resource. But the good news is today you can begin to turn it around and say for the rest of my life, I'm going to invest my time wisely because my time is my life. The second principle when we look back is that looking back can and should make us wiser today. Everybody has failed. Everybody has made mistakes. We all have. 
And one of the powers of the past really is what I call educational power. If you'll learn from your past, your past can actually provide a great education from you. Your past can be one of your greatest teachers, one of the greatest teachers you will ever have if you're listening and if you're learning. But here's what a lot of folks never do. They never pay attention to the failures of their past. They never let it in, in, inform them and educate them for today and for tomorrow. So your past failures really are designed in your life to be used by God as fertilizer for your future. Let me say that again. Your past failures in life are, are, can be used by God for fertilizer for your future, but you have, to, you have to make that transformation. You have to know, what am I learning from my failure? If you don't learn from your failure, you will stay the same for the rest of your life and perhaps even get worse over time because you'll be, you, you are reinforcing your foolishness instead of gaining wisdom. The Apostle Peter... We know him as the Apostle Peter, but before he was the Apostle Peter, he was the Disciple Peter. And the Disciple Peter was called by Jesus to follow him and became one of three of the twelve that was very close to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus would go into various situations, when all the disciples would not always go with him, he would always take Peter, James, and John with him, even to the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John were there with him. And so Peter was exposed to, had great intimacy opportunities with Jesus, but yet Peter failed miserably. I don't need to take the time to walk you through the story of Peter's denial of Jesus on the night that he was arrested. You know that Peter denied the Lord three times. It was a horrible moment for Peter, and he feels so miserable about it. But later on, Jesus comes back to him and brings restoration. And one of the things that you also see later is that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was outpoured in Acts chapter 2, Peter was the one that rose up out of the midst and went into the streets of Jerusalem and preached the gospel. His life was turned around. You know why? Because Peter did not let his failure cause him to stay a fool. His failure became fertilizer for his future. He learned something from it. So my question to you today, what are you learning from your past failures? Do you even know what they are? Have you remembered any lessons? I have a little journal that I keep. I've been keeping it for years. It's a journal that I write down wisdom lessons for my life. And I, as I look back on my, my wisdom journal, my own personal wisdom journal, these are principles. I have about probably 35 or 40 different principles. I don't just write anything down any day, but just key things that I know. I want to remember this for the rest of my life. This cost me too much not to remember it. Any of you have those moments in your life? This was too painful for me not to remember something from it. Or this was something that was valuable for me in the moment when I learned it. And I, I keep that wisdom journal for myself. And I go back and read it from time to time. And I have shared it at certain portions of it with other folks along the way. Because it's an education for you. Do you have a wisdom journal? Do you know what you're learning? Have you transformed your failures into fertilizer? When you look back, that's one of the values of looking back is that it can make you wiser. Number three, looking back can and should remind you to put your regrets to rest. It's one thing to learn something from your failure. It's another thing to overcome the guilt associated with it. All of us have failed, as I said. We've all made mistakes, and mistakes should sober you. Mistakes should wake you up. If you're not awakened by mistakes that you make, make you, need to, you, need to, you need to let them sober you because this, these are turning points in your life. But they should never lead you to condemnation. 
Dear ones, understand something today. Our God is not a God of condemnation. He's a God that takes people who've hit the bottom and brings them back up again, teaching them lessons along the way, but he has a future even for the person who has failed the most miserably. And you may look at your life and say, you don't know, Pastor, what I've done. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know how horrible it is. There's no way that God could use me or do something with me in my life. I I beg to differ because the God of the Bible is a God who takes broken, messed up people. When they turn around, when they sober up and come to him, he takes them and begins to restore them and clean them up. And he does something incredible in their life. And he helps them to let go of the regrets of the past. See, when you're living in regret... And for the past, you're no good for the present, and you're robbing yourself of your future. Don't live in the past. Don't regret those things that you've done. Yes, repent of them, but don't live in regret over them. In John chapter 8, it's a beautiful story of Jesus ministering to a lady who'd made a big mistake in her life. She'd failed horribly. And in this story, there's a sobering moment to the story, but there's also a hopeful moment to the story. I want to take you to the John chapter 8. And you will recognize the stories I begin to read at verses 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. So you got the setting. Jesus is in the temple. He's sitting down. He's starting to teach. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Let me stop there for a moment. This was very shameful for this lady. This was, if you ever have a sobering moment in your life, when your sin is exposed in the presence of the Son of God and lots of other people, and you've been caught in the very act of doing something that people condemned and that God condemned, and you're in that moment, you can't get a more sobering moment than this. This was a shameful moment. This lady is having to deal with major issues in her life of sin. It's right before everybody. And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What but now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground at this they were Those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman standing there. So now here's the moment. She's recognized her sin. She's dealing with her shame. She's in the presence of Jesus. And notice what Jesus says to her. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I, what's the word there? Condemn you, Jesus declared. Read the last of verse 11 with me together. Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and sin no more. What I want you to see from this story is that had this woman failed, no question about it. She had failed miserably. Was she sobered by her failure? Absolutely. There was no question that she had shame in her life for what she had done. She recognized that she was wrong apart from what the Pharisees were doing. They were wrong too. But she realized that she was wrong. She's in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, while addressing her sin, does not leave her hopeless in it. He says, you can leave your regrets behind. Rise up. Go and sin no more. That which has been doesn't have to be for the rest of your life. You now can be a new creation in 
Christ. One of the things I love about God is that he is the God who is able to wipe every sin away from your life, your most miserable failures. He's able to forgive you and give you another opportunity to live life into your future. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Don't you like that? Isn't it great to know that we serve a God like that? He clears our record. When we come in soberness and repentance to him, he says, neither do I condemn you. Rise up, go forward, and sin no more. The fourth thing that we learn by looking back is that looking back should move you to praise God. When you look back, you ought to become a praiser. Where would you be right now if it had not been for the grace of God in your past? Don't you shudder to think about where you would be had it not been for God's grace working in your life in various measures over time. So you have already faced in your life a lot of problems and challenges and stresses and disappointments. And you've gone through lots of times of need in your life. You've been through a lot of stuff. Some of you have been through incredible things in your life that could have very well destroyed you. But you are still here. Why you're here as we used to sing in that old song we sang together. I'm still standing but by the grace of God. I'm still here because the grace worked in my life. I'm still here because God has been gracious to me. God has been with me and God has been with you through it all. Anybody want to say amen to that? That through it all, he's been with you. And even when you couldn't feel him and even when you couldn't see him, And even when you could not discern any of the fingerprints of God or the footprints of God around you, he was still there with you. And you are here today because God has been with you. So when you look back on your past, one thing should come out of your mouth. Praise be to the almighty God. Because you are where you are today. So when you look back, there are many things we could praise God for. I've given you three there on your notes, and we can reflect on them just for a moment. First of all, goodness. God's been good to you because He is a good God. Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from Him. And so you look back and you reflect on His goodness. You look back and reflect on His faithfulness. He's been faithful. He's never let you down. Maybe there are times you felt like He let you down, but He didn't. Because in this world, we don't understand everything. Things that don't make sense to us now will make sense to us later. As the old folks used to sing, we'll understand it better when by and by. Sometimes in the now and now, it doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense. But it'll all come together in the sweet by and by. You will understand it. God has been faithful. Jeremiah said to us, great is thy faithfulness, O God. And we sing often about it. God has provided you providential care that even when you didn't know him, he was watching over your life in such wonderful ways. As Psalm 77 says, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty work. So when you look back, it should make you a praiser of God. And the last thing I want to mention today is that looking back can and should make you appreciate people who've paved the way for you. Whatever blessing you have in your life today, obviously it came from God. Every perfect, good and perfect gift comes from God. But also many of the blessings that you have in your life today came from people who paved the way for you. 
Amen? They're people that went before you and me and they paved the way for you by, by their work, by their sacrifice, by their efforts, by their wisdom, by things oftentimes you will never even know that they did that benefited you. And so, uh, so often I hear people, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No, you're not. First of all, God gave you the grace to be where you are. And also a lot of people helped you along the journey. Why don't you take a moment and thank God and thank the people who helped you along the way. Amen? Okay. Because you wouldn't be here today had it not been obviously for the grace of God and for the grace of people, God working through people to help you. You're standing on shoulders today. You and I are standing on the shoulders of people who've gone before us. I thank God for my parents. I thank God that my parents took me to church and they made sure that I was in church. And back in those days, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and I was there for all of them, okay? I promise you, okay? And twice a year at least, we had 14-day revivals, okay? And so every night of the week, we had revival services. And I was at every one of those revival services, usually at the altar trying to get saved again because of something I'd done wrong that week, okay? And so I was raised in the house of God. I'm thankful for parents that brought us together as a family at night and they read the Bible and they prayed with us. I'm grateful for parents that disciplined me along the way and taught me right and wrong and held me accountable for living a life of character. I'm grateful for parents that took care of me and provided for me. I'm grateful for grandparents who loved and served God and loved me. I'm grateful for, I knew at least one of my great-grandparents very well and she was such a wonderful, godly lady and invested as she could in my life as a little taught. I'm thankful for those folks that have gone before me. I'm thankful as I look about our church and I think about where we are 30 years uh, from the inception of Church of the Redeemer. And I think about all the people over the years who, who believed in the vision here. I'm thankful for you. Couldn't have done what we've done without you believing in the vision. I'm thankful for people who've served here over the years. I'm thankful for people who've given financially so that the work of the kingdom of God could be done. People who gave so this building could be built. People who've given and continue to give so that the ministries are able to do the things that we do. You have a part in this, see? When you get to heaven, understand something. It's not just going to be a reward for the pastor. It's a reward for us as a team. We're doing this together. And if you have given and you have served, you're a part of the process. You're a part of what's made the work of the kingdom be advanced here in this community. And we thank God for you because we can't, nobody can do it by themselves. If you think that you can live life by yourself, I want to tell you, you are severely deceived. You need people in your life. And thank God that he puts people around us that can help us along the journey looking back makes us grateful to God and grateful for the gifts of people that God places in our life do you have a list of those people have you given God thanks for the people who've gotten you to where you are have you written a note to them have you picked up the phone and called them have you expressed appreciation that when you look back and say I just want to thank you because I wouldn't be the person I am today had it not been for you words of gratitude. The Apostle Paul was looking back one day. He was writing the book of Romans. We don't know how long it took him to write the book of Romans. We know that he was moved by the Spirit. It's an inspired book. It's part of the canon of Scripture, and so it's a book inspired by the Spirit of God. But nevertheless, Paul wrote it. He had to actually sit down with a pen and scroll and begin to empapper his paper, whatever he used to write it out. And so as he's writing out his his amazing treatise. This is one of the most incredible theological works you will ever read, the book of Romans. 
And as he's writing these words, he comes to the last chapter and, I, and it's almost like he's reflecting on the past and thinking about where he is in his own life and dealing with the issue that he's probably going to give his life for the gospel. And he, he pens the last chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And I want to read for you what he wrote as a portion of this. Because these first 16 verses of Romans chapter 16, Paul just stops for a moment and sends thanks to people. Did you know that? This is the inspired word of God. And there's 16 verses in one of the greatest theological treatises you'll ever find. And 16 verses in the 16 chapters are dedicated to Paul just thanking people. Let me read it for you. And by the way, I will ask for your, uh, I will apologize to begin with because there are a lot of tough names in this chapter, okay? And so if I stumble over a name or two, just be glad you're not up here reading, okay? That's all I'll say, okay? I commend to you our sister Phoebe. There, by the way, there are 29 individual names that are mentioned here in this 16 verses. 29 individual names that are mentioned along with groups of people. Here we, here we go. I commend to you our sister Phoebe who is a deacon in the church at Sincrea. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many, especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ. Notice he's talking about people who have helped him. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. And give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponidas. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They were highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend Stachus, greet Apellus, a good man, whom Christ approves. And give my greetings to the believers from the household Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Greet my, give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Greet my, give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and to Olympus, and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greetings. Paul was looking back. He was looking at yesterday, right? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does your past matter? Yes. Looking back on your past should generate for you the very thing it generated for the Apostle Paul, deep appreciation for the people who've invested in where you are in your life today. What do we learn in looking back? Number one, get the right perspective of time. Number two, make sure you get wiser. Turn your failures into fertilizer. Put your regrets, regrets to rest. Don't live in the mistakes of yesterday. Learn from them, but move on from them. 
Make sure that you're praising God because God has been with you through it all. You're still standing by the grace of God and appreciate the people who helped you get where you are today. Thank God. While there's some ugly stuff in your past, there's been a God who's been with you throughout it. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. We ask you to take this message and apply it deeply to our hearts. I pray that you'd help us to continue to grow in appreciation for what you've done as the God of our yesterdays. Or even in the midst of our messes, we pray that you would redeem those. We pray that we would learn lessons from them in our own lives. That you would help us to get the fertilizer out of our failures. And Father, help us to not live in the regret, to put the guilt to rest and to move forward in you. Lord, we take a moment to praise you for being with us throughout the past. Thank you for the people you've put in our lives that have helped us along our journey. And God, help us to be people that other generations can stand on, the shoulders that we will provide for generations to come. Let us be faithful for those that will come behind us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.